Welcome to VChat. Uh, this is David Davis, and we have Eric Siebert and uh, extra special guest uh, Doug Hazelman from Veeam. Uh, this is hey. VChat number 11, and uh, thanks everyone for joining us. How's it going, Eric? Oh, going great. Yeah? You got some remodeling going on there in the man cave? Yeah, yeah, kind of had an old west flair to the man cave, so uh, putting up paneling and all that, so uh, kind of a different look. Cool, cool. Doug, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, we got a couple topics today. Um, the first one being uh, I closed the survey uh, that I was running on my website uh, for the top free vSphere tools. Um, this is a survey that um, I announced at uh, my session with Kendrick Coleman at VMworld in San Francisco. And um, Kendrick and I did three sessions there and three sessions in Europe. And in each session, we asked everyone uh, who attended to participate in the survey and vote on what they thought the best free tools out there um, that were available. So um, I, I tried to list all the free tools that I could find and all the free tools from Kendrick's website. And um, I was really happy. I had a, a huge participation. I had 579 votes, um, which over... Uh, it was just about six weeks, I think, the survey was open, so uh, uh, a huge turnout, really. I was very impressed, and um, I know I, I shared the results with you guys already, uh, Eric and Doug, and uh, that might give a little hint as to why Doug's uh, on the show. <laughs> I thought I was supposed um, to look surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you can still look surprised, but... Um, so the the winner or the, the winners we'll we'll just go down the list from from the number one down to I think number ten here I've got on a chart that I'll I'll be showing here on the VChat we'll we'll post that on the screen as well as a link um, to all the free tools um, the first one uh, number one was Veeam Fast SCP and um, <laughs> yay <laughs> and um, on on the scale I asked people to rank the tools um, on a one to ten scale so. Being fast SCP received an 8.8 .8, um, as nice. the grade. So, yeah, overall, everyone thought it was a very useful tool. Um, in fact, I used it this week even to, um, to you know, move some virtual machines and back up some virtual machines. You know, I think uh, no matter, you know, if you're a beginner and you're just creating your first virtual machine or, you know, an experienced admin, being fast SCP is still a very useful free tool. And um, so, that, that's one of the, the first free tools ever available, actually. That, that dates back to how, how far back does that go, Doug? Does that is like 05, 06, maybe even earlier? Yeah, it was uh, 2006. Oh, six? Okay. Yeah, yeah you know, and back... that's, that's essentially the, that was the, uh, the product that, that launched Veeam. Oh, okay. Cool. And, um, you know, back then also there was no GUI to browse your data stores and that. You know, like now they have the built-in data store browser into the vSphere client. But back then, I mean, you could only go in via the command line and, and do directory listings and that. So having um, uh, an actual GUI you could run on your desktop to, to browse files and things like that. And for the, the super speedy um, file transfers, you know, it just uh, was a great tool back then and it's still a great tool today. Yeah, thank you. I agree. Uh, let's see, moving on to number two uh, was Veeam Monitor, the free edition version. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, overall, the score on there was an 8.5, so very Ooh. close. And I know you guys just released a new version recently, uh, Veeam Monitor 5. Yep. So what does Veeam Monitor 5 have that, that's new? So we've we've made some some pretty good improvements to the to the interface to the graphical user interface with some uh, you know additional dashboards 
but the thing that I think is, is really key um, with the 5.0 version is that we've added knowledge um, into the alerts, and we've also added over 100 alerts as well. Uh, so now, you know, once you install it and you point it to your vCenter or vCenters, um, you know, if you start getting alerts, you actually get explanations about what those alerts mean, um, places to go to research the issue, and then possible, you know, possible solutions as well. Okay, cool. Cool, and the main difference between the free edition and the commercial edition, is it the historical historical um, analysis? Yeah, that's that's one of the main differences with the with the free version. Um, you only get to see the last 24 hours of performance data, uh, but we do still store it with the free version. We just don't let you see it. Uh, once you then purchase and upgrade to the the full release, um, you get a number of features, but you also get access to all of that historical data, uh, so you can do some additional trending analysis. Okay, cool, cool. So uh, number three <laughs> was Veeam Reporter. Free edition, yeah, with an 8.2. Wow, 8 top two. three. Top three. It was a sweep. So, um, so Veeam Reporter free edition is a is a new product as well, right? The the free version, I should say. Correct. We we just did the the free edition uh, this summer. I came out with that, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that you know a lot of people really like using it. Um, and when we when we made a move in, in regards to how we architected the, the software, um, you know, a lot of people have been using the, the standalone desktop version. Uh, we got rid of that. Um, so it was our intention when we came out with 4.0 to release a free edition as well uh, to bring back some of that, you know, functionality, ease of use, um, you know, and, and still be able to, to do some reporting without having to uh, actually purchase a license. Okay, cool, cool. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting that, you know, there's there's some companies out there that might have 10 free tools, um, but Veeam, on the other hand, I don't know how many free tools you guys have. It's it's probably not 10, though. It's, it's uh, just a handful of free tools. When's Veeam Backup Free Edition coming out? <laughs> <laughs> well, Fast SCP is integrated in with Veeam Backup. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. So it it's, it's already okay. somewhat in there, especially yeah. with the, uh, the, hot, the hot copy functionality okay. uh, that's in Fast SCP now. Got it. It can be essentially a poor man's backup. So, Doug, how do you find, um, from a, uh, like a vendor perspective, how do the free tools impact, uh, you know, I suppose it's a big marketing win for you guys, giving out free tools, gets your product exposures. Do you see a lot of people using free tools, you know, upgrading to full editions, or, you know, how big a role does free tools play into to your company? Uh, you know, free, free tools are, I would say, a, a big strategic part of our company uh, because, you know, it helps us to, you know, get our word out there, get, you know, our brand out there. Um, and ever since Fast SCP, it's all about, you know, helping out the day-to-day the -day administration tasks of, of the people that are, you know, managing the you know, virtual environments. Uh, and that helps us, again, to get our name out there. And then we just, you know, then we build upon that. Um, we, we try to leave enough functionality in the free tools to make it useful, uh, but also hold back a little bit to say, hey, well, if you want to do this, then you can upgrade to the, licensed edition, um, okay. and it's, it's worked out extremely well for us. Okay, great. Cool. So I guess I'll just uh, read on and, and list out the remaining um, tools here on the survey. Um, in fourth place was the Power GUI um, with the VMware Power Packs from Alan Renouf. Um, so Power GUI is from powergui.org, and then you have these community Power Packs that fit into that. 
and um, can give you hundreds of, of scripts, you know, from the, the point that you install them. Um, and I know that Veeam, you guys also support Power, PowerCLI and PowerShell, right? Correct. Uh, both Reporter and Veeam Backup and Replication have PowerShell extensions, so um, they can be, you know, you can for Reporter you can run scripts to access the data, um, and then with Veeam Backup and Replication you can use PowerShell um, for a lot more than what you can do in the interface. Does that work in the free edition? Uh, reporter. Um, that's one of those things I'd have to double check on. Okay. We'll we'll check on that. We'll we'll put it in the in the blog post for the VChat. But uh, you know, anyway, it would be interesting to use Power GUI with with Veeam Veeam Reporter Free Edition if if that's possible. So uh, those are some great tools. Uh, Alan Renouf and and Luke did some sessions at VMworld on that that were super popular. Um, and then number five on the list was RV tools. Um, RV tools is kind of a a quick reporting tool. It looks kind of like Excel, um, but from the it's a super small installation, and from the time you install it, it's just a really useful tool. Um, and then moving on down the list, we had uh, Vision Core's uh, the Eco Shell, which is, um, I would probably recommend Power GUI over that at this point because I hear that the Eco Shell will soon just be a, a plug-in, uh, kind of a power pack for Power GUI. Um, then there's uh, vConvert, which is a P2V uh, conversion tool. Uh, VMware Guest Console, which I was hoping would be actually higher on the list from VMware Labs. Um, a great tool for uh, virtual machine management. Um, then uh, vFoglight Quick View, and then finally Zangati for ESX. And I also thought that Zangati would be a little bit higher on the list uh, because I think it's a really useful tool for uh, virtual network analysis. It's pretty new but though. I don't think many people yeah, are, are sure. aware of the product. And I think it was just recently, probably right before VMworld actually announced as a free tool. So uh, I think that'll probably grow you know, over time as you know more people take advantage of that tool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so that's the top ten. And a big congratulations to Veeam uh, for sweeping the top three with some great free tools. Thank you. I'm, thank I'm thank everyone to... who vote. Thanks to everyone who voted as well. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks to the 579 voters on the website. So uh, I really appreciate that, and I'm sure Veeam does as well. Um, I'll post the links to all the free tools in the, the VChat post as well. And... Um, uh, I'll see if I can get a, you know, like, print shop for Windows 3.1 or something. I'll print out a little award for Doug I can I can mail to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that's it. Uh, I appreciate Doug being on. Um, any final words to say, Doug? Uh, you know, again, just, you know, thanks to uh, the community, thanks to the people who voted, and thank you, David, uh, for, for running it, and uh, thank you, David and Eric, for, for having me on this VChat. Sure thing. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks, Doug. We'll, we'll let you go, and we're going to talk about some uh, questions from Facebook. Thanks. So um, going back to free tools for a minute there, the, the new iPad app that's supposed to be coming out, the, like the ReSphere client, is that going to be a free tool, or is that actually going to have either an App Store price or some other type of licensing cost to use it? I heard that, you know, well, there's a few different iPad apps coming out from VMware. Yeah, I this guess was... Two. Kind of like the vSphere client version one, not not the view stuff or anything like that. Yeah, um, I, the vCenter um, administration tool for the iPad, right. for lack of a better name. Yeah. Um, I I heard was going to be released as a fling on VMware Labs website. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, for free then, okay. 
Yeah, so it would be free. Okay. Because just like they have today, they have that, uh, was it the mobile vCenter? It's kind of the web browser-based thing where you can go in. There's, there's so many good uh, items on that fling. Uh, on the labs at uh, VMware.com, with uh, you know, from things like the the Project Onyx, the uh, stuff to automatically make your your PowerShell code for you from uh, GUI actions and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So you know, there's a lot of good stuff up there too. So that's worth checking out. For um, how did uh, a lot of those? You said the um, I guess console was the only fling that made the list. Were there some that were maybe just below the top ten that kind of climbed up there as well? Um. No, I think, you know, really, I think Guest Console is the only one that people seem to um, hear about, I, I guess, okay. or seems to be that well-known, you know? Yeah, um, but, they don't advertise those flings too well, so, you know, there may be a lot of people that just don't even know that a lot of those things exist, so. Yeah, you know, when we did our session at VMworld, a lot of people seemed really interested in these free tools, almost okay. like they, they'd never heard about them before, so yeah. I I hope more people go, go there and, and check out the flings and, um, I mean, I talked to the guy who runs the website. He said the engineers who build them are very, um, you know, interested in the feedback from everyone, and they want to improve their flings. And so. Yeah, that's cool. It's a cool program. It's glad they do that. Let people kind of, you know, work on tools on their own, just kind of fill, you know, administration gaps and to make administration a lot easier than that. Um, I bet once that iPad app hits finally for the um, the management of vCenter, it'll probably be way up in the top ten there. Seems like everybody has yeah. an iPad these days, especially all us techie guys. So um, becoming more and more of a you know a popular device for doing you know things like um, you know in the data center, you know management and IT and stuff like that. So anxious to see that. And I think they said what was it before the end of the year coming out? I thought uh, I heard before sorry. the end of the month, but oh, okay. it's already that's already passed. So yeah, maybe we they're at the end of the next month. I don't know. In the uh, discussions in the vExpert forums, they were talking about a, a possible beta for that, but I think John was saying that it's a pretty fast-paced project, so that they weren't going to open up a beta at all. So, yeah, it, I, I would bet, guess, you know, maybe Thanksgiving before the end of November or somewhere. Yeah, I hope so. So look forward to seeing I, that. I saw another um, iPad management tool today um, that was released, but it's they're selling it for 15 or 20 bucks on the iTunes store. And it looked kind of cool, but I was thinking, hey, I, I'm just going to wait for the free one from VMware. Yeah, you know? yeah there was, um, <laughs> somebody did a review on that on a blog post I saw, I think last week, they were kind of showing a demonstration of using it in that. And, um, you know, it, it looked, you, you know, useful, not, not really all that polished in that. You know, I bet the, the one yeah. that's coming out from VMware is going to be a lot more polished, but it definitely looked like a useful app to, um, you know, since there are no capabilities today on the iPad, um, you know, it gives you at least something until the VMware one comes out. Yeah, yeah, the one from VMware, you know, when, when Susan, um, VCP number one, when she was demonstrating it, you know, it just looked really um, slick. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the little windows flipping over and all that stuff, and, yeah, yeah it looked really neat. I'm really impressed by it. Yeah. So um, you want to move on and talk about uh, the questions we had from Facebook? Sure. I think we had about eight or nine of them. Um, Want to start at the top, maybe? Yeah. Um, first, I guess let me just give a little background. Um, Train Signal, they, they put up a video on Facebook that said that they would give out um, VMware Labs T-shirts, actually, that we got from VMworld um, about um, uh, VMware Labs. And they said they would give those out to anyone on Facebook who submitted a question for the VChat. And like you said, we got eight or nine responses. I, I really appreciate everyone responding. Um, all the people who did got T-shirts, I think they've closed that now because they ran out of T-shirts. But there's a lot of good questions here, um, and I guess I'll just let you start, Eric. 
Sure. Um, first one is how does VMware measure up against uh, like Sun VirtualBox or, or Microsoft Virtual PC? Um, you know, that's one I initially started on um, Virtual PC years and years ago when that, when that product was out. I think it may have been called different, something different back then, um, and it, it was a, a basic product. I haven't really followed it over the years as it's matured. Um, I mean, that would directly stack up against VMware Workstation or, or possibly VMware Server, which are both um, where you need an underlying, it's not a bare metal hypervisor. You actually have to install it on a OS like Windows. Um, Sun VirtualBox, I've never actually used. Rick Vanover is a huge fan of VirtualBox. And yeah. um, he, he raves about it, says it's a great little tool, um, you know, for doing, you know, desktop virtualization. Um, so, you know, I, I've heard a lot of great things about that tool and that um, virtual PC for Microsoft. Like I said, I haven't really played with it. I, I think VMware Workstation is feature-wise and, you know, it's been around for so much longer than virtual PC that it is more polished. It has more features. Um, but, you know, they're all good desktop virtualization products. Workstation is pretty costly. It's still up around 200 hours. Um, compared to, you know, I think is virtual PC free. I know VirtualBox is, but yeah, both of those are free. Are they okay? So they're they're great for, you know, if you want to mess around with virtualization on your desktop, um, you know, they're, they're great good tools for that. So, um, you know, I would say, especially if you can't afford Workstation, um, that, you know, VirtualBox. I've heard the most things about, so um, I'd lean towards maybe trying that out first over virtual PC. Um, but they're, you know, great desktop virtualization tools. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just my two cents on it, um, I think VMware, they've got a really nice snapshot manager. It's, to me, that's the main feature that, that yeah. I recall. These other programs didn't have snap, I don't know, I think they had snapshots, but maybe just one snapshot, not like a big complex snapshot manager where you can exactly. have multiple. I'm not sure. But um, I, I did try Sun VirtualBox once, actually, at the, uh, the recommendation of Rick Vanover, and uh, I was pretty impressed. It's a nice little program, but, I mean, I guess I would just say, for the, uh, if you're a VMware admin, you know, most likely you want to use VMware Workstation for compatibility and features yeah. and stuff like that. Plus, you can run ESX inside a Workstation. Now, Workstation yeah. is is more geared towards VMware's marketing on that is more geared toward developers. That's why it is more expensive. Um, that's right. why the, the record and replay features, all, all the things like that. Workstation tends to be a, a testing ground for new features before they migrate them to um, ESX. Um, but, um, it, you know, it's definitely that, – that's our target market where I think um, VirtualBox and Virtual PC may be more of a consumer um, market compared to the workstation. Right, right. Cool. So uh, second question I got, I got on the list here was from Dan Hansen. Um, he asked about – or he actually asked if we could demonstrate how to keep the vCenter database optimized on Microsoft SQL – um, I thought, well, that'd be a good topic for, you know, like a how-to video. Probably not something we can we can demonstrate right now. Yeah, you know, a lot of the admins hands off the database, especially if you're running it locally. There's not a whole a huge amount of maintenance that you typically do on it. But if you're running yeah. it on an Oracle or you know, a dedicated SQL server, there's definitely um, a lot of you know, just settings that affect the size of the database and, and all that. Um, some mis I think VMware actually maybe even publishes some best practices for the database and that. Mm. Um, it, it, it's uh, critical to Virtual Center because Virtual Center will not run without it if something happens to it, and it can dramatically affect the performance of Virtual Center if it gets too big, too bogged down, and stuff like that. So you definitely want to keep on top of that and, um, you know, keep it as uh, slim and uh, well-maintained as possible. Yeah, yeah, good points. I'll look for some some documents or some links out on the web to to add to the VChat here to 
to see if we can direct Dan to some some good info. So. Okay. Uh, let's see. Moving on, Christian Moan, um, the V Ninja from Twitter. Uh, he was asking about upgrading best best practices. Like, what's changed between 4.0 and 4.1? Um, the two things I immediately thought of was, you know, if you're using Update Manager, there's that 32-bit SQL DSN issue. Yeah, because uh, 4.1 is all 64-bit now. There's um, that's where you can kind of screw yourself if you're running Virtual Center on a 32-bit OS. That won't work anymore. You're stuck on uh, Virtual Center 4.0 until you upgrade the OS to a 64-bit OS. So that's um, definitely the, one of the biggest things, I think. And um, I've, I've also seen some things about people just comment on, on the database, um, maybe some incompatibilities or things happening with the database when they tried to upgrade Virtual Center. Um, I'd, I'd have to find um, the comments on that. But the, the biggest thing I could say is always read the upgrade guide. Because <laughs> yeah. it gives you all these steps, dependability, you know, the dependencies for um, upgrading. You always want to start with Virtual Center and then work down to the the host and then down to the virtual machines. Uh, but there's a lot of great information in that upgrade guide that VMware publishes that tells you all the little caveats that you need to know about. Um, you know, maybe something's not compatible. Always check the compatibility matrix too, because you know a lot of times upgrading to a newer version like 4.1, some of the companion products and third-party products won't support that version and may not work on the new version, so you always want to double-check that first. Yeah, yeah, good points, good points. I, and I do remember that with 4.1, um, there's a vCenter migration tool. Like if you're on 32-bit and, you, of course, you have to move to 64-bit, okay. there's this tool that they include to allow you to to move, help you to move your vCenter server. So. Okay, got it. Does it, it basically maybe just, I assume most people are just going to install a new one on a you know, new OS and then reattach the database. So it probably helps you with that whole process of, uh, you know, not wiping out your database, keeping it intact while you move it from one, you know, vCenter server to another. And then yeah. obviously once you finish that, you probably, there's some upgrade scripts that need to run to upgrade the database structure to the new version as well. Yeah. I like the, I like the clean install. <laughs> Same here. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> Much easier. Um, Paul Jensen, he asked about what's the best reason to do the work needed to switch to ESXi? And I'm guessing he's, I mean, he didn't say what he's switching from. So maybe I he's talking about like ESX, ESXi. Oh, maybe, yeah, ESX, I think ESXi. Making the, the change over. And the, the biggest thing there is compatibility. When VMware comes out with their next release, they, they keep saying there won't be an ESX. So um, you, you, it's best to plan now and get that stuff out of the way and maybe convert to ESXi, especially now that it's more feature complete and the admin tools have, you know, you know, change a bit in 4.1 to make it a lot easier to administer as well. That um, I would say that's uh, one of the sole reasons right there. Um, the other biggest reason I find ESXi is just um, a big advantage of using it over ESX is the patching. It's immensely easier to patch ESXi yeah. than ESX. It's super simple, which is, you know, I heard um, a while back the, talking about VMware was getting rid of Update Manager eventually, um, probably mm -hmm. in the next release or so. Um, because it becomes less important with ESXi because ESXi is so much simpler to patch, and I think they're not going to focus on patching the virtual machines with Update Manager as well anymore. So um, in the future release, when there's just ESXi, um, patching will probably be a simple tool. All you're doing is replacing one image with another, and you're done. So it's, it's no dependencies on other patches being installed, easy rollback, um, just a much simpler process. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I even, uh, for those who have a small shop and, like, free ESXi out there, I used VMware Go to upgrade 
um, to a new, a new version of ESXi, and it was all done in a web browser. Just click, click, it downloads it from VMware, and it puts it on your server, and it reboots it. So, oh, cool. I mean, obviously that's not, you know, if you have high availability and stuff, it's it's not going to handle that kind of that kind of um, environment, but it was just a few clicks, and, and I was upgraded, you know, to oh, a new cool. version of ESXi. So. Yeah, and hopefully in, in the future, you know, the, the update process will be that, you know, built into, you know, vCenter and all that much simpler as well because it is simple to patch ESXi, so. Yeah. Great. Um, Paul Smith, he asked about performance monitoring in a vSphere environment. Um, how should we go beyond what's included in vCenter? VMonitor. I guess we I find that you know vCenter has matured a lot over the years, and it definitely does a lot more today than it did in the past. And you can get away with some you know pretty good monitoring you know in vCenter itself, but to go that extra level above and beyond, get more stats, easier um, you know better graphing, uh, alerts, reports, stuff like that. The third-party tools are, are you know just great for that capability, especially for larger um, installations where you have a you know a lot of information out there to kind of all put together. Um, you know they have pretty dashboards um, where you can um, you know, actually see um, and actually correlate performance data to events that may have occurred in the environment. So um, you see a dramatic you know increase in CPU usage. Maybe there's something in the event log um, from uh, somebody changed a VM configuration or something that caused that. So um, I mean, I find that they're they're great for um, all, all the third-party tools out there for going above and beyond what Virtual Center provides, and um, just a great way to get more performance monitoring and, and reporting um, that vCenter doesn't provide. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. Um, David Foy asks about any recommendations on physical infrastructure. What's the, be the best SAN storage to use? Now, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who he works for. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're all good. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, there's, you, first there's a vendor and then there's the protocols. You either use iSCSI, NFS, or Fiber Channel. Um, you know, all, all the vendors have good storage products. They're all pretty well integrated into vSphere now. Um, it often comes down to budgets, you know, what, what you can afford. A lot of people can't afford a fiber channel SAN, so iSCSI NFS, um, you know, present a much more uh, low-cost attractive solution. So um, I, I would say just, you know, if you're in the market for storage, um, map out your requirements. That's uh, the big key right there. You need to know what your requirements are for your, your workloads. Um, once you have your requirements you and, you know, your budget is set, um, go look at the tools, try them out, you know, talk to the vendors to, to find the one that best meets your needs. Um, there's a lot of good, you know, storage devices out there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And for small environments, I think you did a post on um, TechTarget about yeah. you compared a lot of different arrays and stuff. So that might be a good reference for smaller labs or SMBs. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of great smaller end devices where you don't have to spend over $10,000 to get a shared storage um, unit inside your data center or, you know, just even your little office and that. So... Um, I actually have a, a Netgear uh, ReadyNAS coming uh, for an eval in the next week or so, uh, 2100, one of their low-end rack models um, that I'll be kind of checking out and doing a review on. Um, they got some pretty cool. good storage devices as well. Cool, cool. Um, Chris Dearden, he was asking about uh, VMware Orchestrator. Is it moving to the cloud? Is it moving to Service Request Manager? And what are the options for self-provisioning without moving to vCloud Director? Wow. No. 
I've never used Orchestrator in that. <laughs> I just never really had the opportunity to explore it that much. Um, you know, self-provisioning is a real important piece of a cloud environment, um, you know, especially for larger environments where you don't want to go through the administration hassle of, um, you know, creating VMs all the time. And you also want to have, you know, life cycles of your VMs to kind of keep track of them to prevent, you know, um, too many, you know, overcrowding and, you know, VM stall and stuff like that. So, um, you know, there's definitely, I haven't really used vCloud at all. Um, yet, you know, I've just been focused on other things right now. Um, there's other third-party tools out there as well that do a lot of that stuff for you, um, self-provisioning. Um, mm-hmm. I think Lab Manager, um, wasn't it, I heard it was talked about that Lab Manager may be going away eventually in favor of vCloud Director um, that kind of both provide some of the same type of capabilities. So, um, you know, there's definitely a bunch of products out there that you know, do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, on another vChat we could have, uh, John Arashid or Peng Chan or, you know, one of those big vCloud guys on, yeah. and we could talk, talk vCloud. So yep. we'll save that question for another yeah. day. Uh, let's see, Marcos was asking about the main advantage of vSphere compared to Hyper-V, and does PowerCLI offer more per, per potential administration on one or the other? Um, we could talk a whole hour about, you know, vSphere versus Hyper-V. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that PowerCLI is better on one or the other. I'm, I'm sure it's fairly yeah, functional on I, both. I think I did some research on this for some article I did. I, I think on um, for one of the tech target sites on kind of free tools, the top free tools for um, not just VMware but for all virtualization. So I kind of yeah. researched PowerShell inside of um, specifically dealing with Hyper-V and that. And I thought from what I saw it was there wasn't as many – VMware has a huge amount of commandlets available. It's been around for right. a while um, that integrate into PowerShell. And I don't think there was as much with um, Hyper-V at all. So despite okay. you know, Hyper-V being a Microsoft product, I don't hmm. think they really had a huge base of commandlets like VMware does with you know, vSphere and that. So um, I definitely have to give maybe vSphere the edge um, over Hyper-V for when it comes to commandlets to use with PowerShell. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Good to know. Um, Philip was asking about um, VDS versus Nexus 1000V. Well, the big thing there is um, integration with your physical environment. VDS doesn't do it. You know, if you want to integrate your virtual switches with your physical switches, you need a product like the Nexus 1000V. Um, it gives you all the features that you would find in a, a traditional physical switch in a, inside of a virtual switch, and it becomes a single pane of glass management for your your entire virtual and physical networks. So, you know, the VDS is good. It's a good step up from the basic switch as it gets you the kind of the centralized administration in that. Um, it really doesn't have that many more features in the, the VDS under the standard switch, though. Um, I think it's got some um, more advanced uh, QoS or something that, that it does that the standard switch doesn't. And I think it supports private VLANs where the standard switch doesn't. So, you know, when comparing to the, um, the VDS to the Nexus, you know, that's, that's two whole different products. You know, if you're you want all the advanced networking features that, you know, the, the VDS and the standard switch are basically dumb switches. They don't do, they're not managed. Um, you can't um, do a whole lot with them besides basic networking stuff. So the Nexus gives you all that, and um, I'd, I'd highly recommend it for environments that you really want to be on top of your virtual networking and, you know, have some kind of centralized management and control over the virtual networking. Yeah, and, and I think the, you know, the Cisco network admin out there, he's also, you know, probably going to have a big weigh-in on, 
you know, hopefully voting for the Cisco Nexus 1000V over a standard or a, a VDS. Yeah. Because it's going to give him that CLI with quality of service and security policies and all that kind of stuff that he's he's been missing, I would guess, ever since, you know, vSphere was put in. Yeah, because the physical network extends into the host and the network admins kind of lose control over that. You know, I, I personally don't think that virtualization admins want to be network admins and they shouldn't be yeah. network admins because they, most cases, don't have the skills to be network admins. So give it back to the network guys. That's where it belongs. You know, you should keep yeah. your all the control and all that stuff over there. Um, they also have another product coming out, um, or it may be out now that they announced at VMworld that kind of ties into the Nexus that provides that firewall piece as well. Um, what was it, the, the virtual security something and that? And outside of VMworld, it, it basically integrates into the Nexus as well and provides not just the switching capabilities and features, but also kind of something like vShield does with um, zones and firewalls and stuff like that. Hmm, okay. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. So. And so that was the last question. Um, I've got a post, by the way, that I did with Bob Plankers like a year ago or more when the Nexus first came out. Um, on Tech Target, where we compared, he took one and I took the other, and we compared them. So okay, I, I yeah, I think I read that to that as well. Yeah, and, and I liked so. your um, your quote in there, something about uh, you know it ends the feud <laughs> between yeah. the the network admins and the virtualization admins. You know, no longer do you have that fight about control over the network. So the uh, the Nexus definitely does that. It gives the network guys their stuff back. So <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I, again, I appreciate the questions. The 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 guys who posted on uh, Facebook, um, good stuff. Um, you can send more questions to um, – I've got an email address set up, uh, vchat at trainsignal.com. If you have more suggestions about, um, you know, things we could talk about here in the vchat, things you'd like to see. So keep it coming. Um, what about you, Eric? Any, any special projects you're working on right now you want to talk about? Uh, just writing, writing, and more writing. Working on my yeah. VME book, and that um, got two chapters done. It's basically focusing on data protection and that. So I um, have another chapter coming up on uh, disaster recovery options and that with uh, virtualization. So lots of writing. That and uh, improving my man cave here and that. And uh, <laughs> trying to expand out my, my lab here as well. Um, I'm going to add an another uh, another host, another storage device. I got my... Uh, my switch I upgraded um, last week. I had one of those little Cisco SLM 8-port gigabit switches, and I upgraded to the, the Netgear, the 24-port gigabit managed switch, um, which, you know, I shopped around a lot, and I wanted something that was affordable. You know, going from 8 to 24 ports is a pretty big price jump. You know, the 8-port's the yeah. about 100 bucks, and a lot of the 24-ports start at 300 So um, mm -hmm. I looked at the Cisco. I looked at the... Um, uh, I forget another one I looked at also, but um, the HP, the Pro Curves, and uh, yeah. the, the, the ReadyNAS had great features, and it was pretty affordable compared to the other ones. It was under, I think I paid about 270 for it, so mm. it um, definitely is. A, I just have so many nicks in these, these servers here that I was always running out of ports, so now having a 24-port switch in the home lab definitely gives me a lot more you know, flexibility for connecting things in that, so that's about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's because great switch. I've, I've got a... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'll probably do a write-up on it soon on, on that switch, uh, just kind of my experience with it you know, since I got it and that, how it integrates into the home lab. Oh, good. Good, yeah, because I've, I've got an 8-port Dell gig switch that I'm just constantly out of ports on. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested in upgrading, too. So I look forward to that. And when you chain those 8 ports together, you're always losing two ports. So, you know, it becomes hard to keep daisy-chaining those 8 ports together. So I said, I ah, forget it. I'm just going to get a 24-port. 
and um, got that, and uh, it's been working great. Cool, cool. And I've seen your your Veeam ebook that you have uh, out on the Veeam website right now. What did it cover? Um, chapter one was all about the uh, kind of that deep dive session I did on um, virtualization. Chapter one covered that. It covered all of the how things work in virtualization and that pretty intensive on um, you know everything from the hypervisor um, handling uh, memory, uh, virtual machine anatomy and stuff like that. So it's a really good chapter on just basically laying the basics for virtualization, explaining the basic you know how virtualization works to you know people that may not be familiar with it. Um, the chapters after that were all based on um, kind of a data protection, um, just um, how to choose a data protection solution and um, how um, all that stuff works. And that chapter two was all about uh, backups and how backups work in virtual environments, um, why you need a, a virtual backup solution for a virtual environment, how it compares to physical um, traditional solutions and that. So, um, And then the rest of the chapters are, are basically going to be on um, also some of the disaster recovery options for uh, virtualization as well. Cool. So. Very cool. We'll provide a link to that as well on the VChat here because I think that's a great resource. Yeah, definitely. I had, uh, had fun doing this one. Yeah. So um, I wanted to say it's unfortunate that Simon Seagrave couldn't be here today, uh, but I am trying to represent him. I've got my, uh, my tech head <laughs> tech shirt on right here. Um, Simon's in Paris at a, an EMC, EMC um, show of some kind. Um, he was supposed to be represented here with a, a beret on and, and a, a striped shirt, but uh, I guess the picture isn't ready yet. So uh, cool. we look forward to having him on next next show. Great. Well, I appreciate you being on today, Eric. It's it's great to talk to you and see you again. Yeah, you too. Yeah. So uh, thanks for everyone. Thanks for watching, and uh, that concludes our VChat uh, number 11. Great. See you. See you later.